These Days, Volume 2, Chapter 24, Part 2, Teenage Wasteland, written by Eric Lee Garcia, audiobook version. Plot Synopsis Leah makes a choice that may prove disastrous. Fresa visits her mother in the hospital. Eric, Brandon, and Nathan get invited to a house party by Rosie and Lola. John and Marco go for a drink. Alejandro, Don Rogelio, and George take a little trip to the plaza. The FBI is now one step closer to bringing down Alejandro Galdamas's empire. Disclosure. Let me remind you that several storylines here are fictionalized slash fictional. This is not a biography or of any relation to real people, places, or things. Scene 1. Recovery continued. 2.27 p.m. The 7th of September 2014. We open up to show Eric approaching a similar looking hallway. He continues walking as he opens the door. Eric enters the room as he sees Dr. Pina typing away on the computer. Dr. Pina, I'll be right with you. I just have a deadline for something. It shouldn't take me longer than a minute to email this. Eric. Okay. Sure. No worries. Dr. Pino continues clicking and clacking on his keyboard as Eric sits on the one-seater. He takes a deep breath as he looks all around the room. He almost smiles in place as Dr. Pina stands up and grabs his hands together. Dr. Pina. Done. How are you Eric? Dr. Pina walks over and extends a hand. Eric reaches and welcomes the handshake. Eric. I'm doing good. It's been great these past few days. We're already in July. I can't even believe how fast the months have gone. Real quick. Dr. Pina. That's great to hear. Awesome even. The last time we saw each other was around two weeks ago. What's the latest with you? Your friends, your family, Eric, my friends, they're good, I've been hanging out with Lola mostly, we talk a lot, we have some laughs, sometimes she cries, Dr. Pina, really, well what does she cry about, Eric, complains about her life, she doesn't do that all the time but when she gets deep, she gets deep, Dr. Pina, do you? Do you ever cry with Lola? Eric. Maybe once or twice. I talk about my dad but not much else. There's not too many things to be sad about. I. I don't know if I'm happy but I don't think I'm sad. I've. I've felt sadness just a few times in my life but that's not what I've felt these past few months. Dr. Pina. Okay. So. Forgive me for asking but none of your friends know what you went through that day, do they? Eric. Number. They don't. I. I really don't think they'd be able to handle that if I told them what really happened that day. In the bathroom. They wouldn't even need to know. For what? I'm not the sad friend. I'm the one that wants to make people laugh hard. Eric's voice gets a little raspy as he begins speaking a little slower. Eric. 
It's hard to believe that happened just 4 months ago. That's crazy doctor. Crazy. It feels like it was years ago. In their eyes, we all experience the same thing. Someone we knew, lost it, lost it real bad, and died. Killed himself. That sounds, that doesn't sound right the way I said it but that's what it basically was. Eric was looking down but now he's looking up at Dr. Pina. Dr. Pina nods slowly as he continues talking. They continue talking and talking for several more minutes as Dr. Pina smiles and nods to Eric speak. They continue talking for another 40 minutes back and forth as we see Eric look at the clock. Dr. Pina, we are reaching the end of our session buddy and I just wanted to let you know that I called your mother last week. I felt like she'd want to know. I rarely called her but these last handful of sessions. Big improvements. More words. More. I don't know if I'd call it happiness but maybe it is. Eric. You. Really? I have been different. Haven't I? Dr. Pina. Oh yeah. You've always talked. It's never been a problem to get you to speak but I sense something different lately. Whatever it is that you've been doing lately. It's making you better. Like when you had a clown account but it's different this time. I just can't put my finger on it but we'll find out soon enough. Eric. What did you tell my mom about me? Dr. Pina. I think you are on a path of recovery. She was asking me if it was really necessary to keep going with our visits and I personally didn't believe they were necessary anymore. You haven't had a panic attack in a while. Or have you since we last spoke? Eric. Number. I. I haven't. Dr. Pina. C. Great. It means that you really gave therapy a chance. Some people aren't willing to give that first step and that's why so many people don't get better. You have to want to get better and you've done that. We met a handful of times throughout the week before but I don't think that is necessary for you anymore. We last met two weeks ago. I think once every two weeks or maybe even once a month should be good from now on if you are still interested in coming here. I told your mom that I would leave it up to you. There will always be progress to be made in therapy Eric. Always. Don't ever forget that. Eric. Well I. I don't know. I think. I think I am better. I've been thinking about things more and trying to be better. I'll sleep on it. Dr. Pina. Yes like I've said time and time again. You should feel proud son. Your parents brought you here because what you experienced is something no one should ever experience. Eric. I think we have made good progress but we are not at the end Dr. Pina. I can't thank you enough for helping me. You have shown me that sadness and grief is not the way. We must learn to be satisfied with life. Learn to live with things not as we wish they would but as they are. I don't think I would have made it this far without your guidance Dr. Pina. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really do. Dr. Pina. Hey. You are more than ready to face the world. Remember. If anyone can do it. It's you Eric. The world is your oyster. Let me know and give me a call so we can schedule your next appointment.
Okay, Eric. Sure. Eric and Dr. Pino continue talking as they shake hands one final time and nod to one another as the screen goes black. Scene 2. Late night. 7.20 AM. The 7th of November 2014. We see Eric yawning and stretching as he walks to his room. Eric. Ah. I'm tired. Tired. Sleepy. I don't know the difference. Both. Maybe. Lee. Hey. Where are you going? Eric. Bedtime. Lee. Bedtime? Damn. What were you doing all night? Eric. Watching TV. Leslie. He was watching his soap opera. Lee. Soap operas? What's a soap opera? Leslie it's a noveler papi. Lee. You stayed up all night watching novelists? You watching novelists now too? Your mom is the same. I'll be sleeping and I'll see her eyes wide like an owl watching a noveler at 2 in the morning. Eric. I'm not entirely proud of myself but yes. Lee. Post try going to sleep early for once. I don't like you being asleep all day. That's being lazy. It's not good being lazy maho. Eric. Oh. Nana. I'll fall asleep right now and get up at like 12 or 1. Lee. Chingayo. The grass needs to be cut already so get to it when you can. Today. It needs to be done today. Eric. I'll cut it. Fine. I don't want to but I'll do it. Lee. It's either you cut the grass or you come to work all day with me at the shop. Which one do you prefer? Eric cutting grass it is then. No problem. No need to get upset or get mad. I'll cut the grass. Of course I'll cut the grass. I told you I would cut the grass and I'll cut the grass. Sir. Lee. Alright. You already said it. Eric's cutting the grass today ma. Arika he was supposed to cut it yesterday. Lee. Yes I know but I'm letting him off the hook since I'm feeling nice. It's hot out there. Almost a hundred. If you're going to cut it, cut it before noon or after six. It's hot. Hot man. Arika okay. Eric's cutting the grass. I'll write it down. He better. Eric I will cut the grass but I'm taking a snooze before. Good night everyone. Lee. Well I'm leaving. See you guys. Love you guys. Lock the door please. Lee exits the house and doesn't lock the house. Erica. I'll lock it. Leslie. Does Papi have keys? Erica. Yes. He does. Ugh. Leslie. UHH is right. He can lock the door himself. Eric. Good night everyone. Erica. Good night. Leslie. Go poop yourself. Eric. I will. Thank you. Good night and goodbye. Erica and Leslie exit the house momentarily as Erica locks the front door. We catch a glimpse of Eric moving the blanket around and falls into a deep sleep. A couple of hours later, Eric wakes up and tosses around in his bed a little. He reaches for his phone and checks the time. It reads 2.21pm. Eric. I guess. I guess I should get up. It's about time. Ugh. What should I eat today? Eric gets up from his bed wearing a big shirt and boxer briefs. 
It can be seen that he has only one sock on. He completely ignores the fact of that. Eric. I think I'll make myself some eggs. Potatoes take too long. Turkey bacon? Eric rummages through the fridge looking for turkey bacon. Eric. Damn. There's none. This means only one thing. Eric reaches for his phone and begins dialing. Eric. Hello. Brandon. Hey Carl. What's up? Eric. First things first. Have you eaten? Brandon. Breakfast? Yeah man. I had a late breakfast. Eric. I just. What? Late breakfast? What time was that? Brandon. Like 10 in the morning. Eric. That's a late breakfast? Brandon. I wake up early most of the time. Eric. Well I just woke up and I'm out of turkey bacon. Brandon. Bummer. Do you have regular bacon? Eric. We don't buy regular bacon in my house. Brandon. That sucks man. Eric. Do you have bacon at your house that you can lend to a fellow brother? Brandon. Damn it Carl. Let me see what I can do. How many strips do you need? Eric. How many strips do you got? Brandon. Fucking Carl. Ha ha ha. Let me see what we got. I'll call you back. The phone call ends as the screen goes black. Scene 3. My love. 10 p.m. The 14th of March 2049. We see Ophelia pulling up a driveway as she sets the car in park and stays seated in her car for a moment. She smiles a bit and then looks at herself in the mirror checking that her hair isn't too messy. She adjusts it as best as she can. She closes the mirror and takes a deep breath. She then exits the vehicle approaching Adam's house as she gets closer and closer. She knocks on the door lightly. She tries looking inside the house and that's when the door is swung open by Adam. Adam. Leah? What are you doing here? Leah. Ray had to work and I thought I'd take Brian home with me. You know I up. I always feel safer knowing there's a man in the house. Adam. Is that right? Leah. Sometimes. Not all the time just. Sometimes. Adam. It's okay if you just wanted to come visit me Leah. You know me and you. Well. You know you'll always be special to me. Leah. Wow. Whoa. Adam. Come in. Leah. Where's Bran? Leah enters the house as Adam closes the door. Adam. He fell asleep. We started watching some movie and he knocked out like a baby. He's some kid our kid. Leah. He sure is. Adam. He reminds me of you. Leah. Haha. He reminds me of you. People seem to forget your rise to success. You were nothing and no one. It eventually went to your head but for a while. You were the perfect husband and father anyone could ever ask for. Adam. I was. Leah. You were. You've made mistakes even but you were great. Always were. Always will be. No matter what. Adam. That's, that's nice to know I got supporters. I am. I'm sorry about your dad. I'm sure he'll be okay. Leah. We've got less than a year of knowing the man and I. The thought of losing him. I couldn't bring myself to not feel sad by it. 
Adam. Who wouldn't? He's your father. Lucky you that you had a father at all. I didn't. He was out there in the world somewhere but I never got to meet him or know who he even was. The closest thing I got to her father is Mickey. Leah. Haha. Ha. Can you believe that I didn't even want to go to that dinner when he first invited me and Andrew? That's... That's almost 8 months ago. Ro. Adam. Is that how it all started? Leah. Well yeah. He lied to us to get us to go to his home. He actually came into our life. Adam. When I got arrested? Leah. Yeah. Adam. I knew he looked familiar. I saw him that day. Leah. At the courthouse. Adam yeah. At the courthouse. He was rocking a suit. Leah. Remind you of anyone? Adam. Suits are what define a man. I've been telling you this for years haha. Leah. The thought of losing him made me realize that so many things are temporary in this world. Adam. I get you. Leah. I always believed that one day you would get better. Adam. You always believed in me. I don't think I've ever thanked you for that. Thank you for always believing in me. You and Bran were the only reasons I didn't go insane in there. You all were what kept me pushing day after day in there. Leah. I prayed for you a lot. You know? Adam. Haha. <laughs> well. I'm not that same piece of shit anymore so it must have worked. I was lost for a long time but. I'm not lost anymore. Mickey has been real good to me. This is his rental property. He let me live here. Leah. Mickey always loved you. Didn't he? Adam. Yeah. Yeah he did. I loved him too. Ha. Huh. I was warming some glasses of milk. Do you want one? Leah. I should probably head out with Brian. It's getting late. Adam. Oh. Ray had to work huh? Leah. Yeah well you know how he is. Adam. No not really. I'm not really a fan of Ray. Leah. Why? Adam. Because that should be me. It's always been me. It was always you. It's always been you and me. I lost you once messing it up myself but I can't let these feelings go Leah. I have loved you ever since the first time I met you at Mickey's. We were just kids but I could never get you out of my mind and I still can't. Are you going to marry that guy Leah? Leah. It's... It's been discussed but I don't know. Why? Why do you ask me that? Adam. Really? You'd marry that guy? Leah. He is a great guy Adam. Believe me when I tell you. I know those feelings that you feel right now because I felt them that day when we went out to eat. Adam. Do you feel them at this moment? Leah. Adam approaches Leah and almost leans against her as she leans into him. Adam. Tell me that you don't feel them too Leah. Tell me that you don't miss what we had because I miss it every day. Every damn day. We had a family and I think we could have it again. Leah. Brian. Adam. You drive me insane you know that? Leah. Do I? Adam. You make me so crazy. They are now in breathing vicinity of one another as they stare into each other's eyes. Leah. You make me crazy. Adam. Are you really going to let me kiss you? Leah. I. 
I could never resist your kisses. No matter how hard I try, I could never resist them. Adam, tell me to stop. Just tell me and I'll stop. Leah, I, I'm not going to tell you anything. Adam, damn it. The one time I need you to put me in my place and you're not doing a thing about it. Leah, do you hate me? Adam, oh yeah, I hate your guts. Leah, ha ha ha, you hate my guts? Adam, I do, I really do. Adam begins kissing her as the scene picks up with them continuing to kiss and make out with each other walking into a bedroom and closing the door behind them. We get one last look at them rolling around in the bed as they begin taking off their clothes and the screen goes black. Scene 4. Bullets. 12pm. The 15th of March 2049. The scene opens up on Marco and John entering a restaurant. They look all around and notice that the place is kind of empty. They appear to be walking towards a booth. Marco. I'm not really in a booth kind of seating. John. You want to sit at the bar don't you? You bastard. Marco. Yes. Yes I do. I'm feeling one of those rotating stools. John. Classic Marco. Classic Marco. Marco. I can't enjoy a nice cold beer unless I'm seated on one of these cool bar stools. John. I guess they are cool. Marco. Soft. Comfortable. You forget that you're at a bar almost. The scene then switches to Sheriff Villarreal getting up from a table at a different restaurant. Server. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Villarreal. Have a great day little lady. Villarreal then exits the restaurant as two men appear to be watching from a distance in a car. He then stops for a moment and notices a man from inside the restaurant starts following him to the parking lot. Another man can be seen talking on his cell phone as he appears to be walking into the restaurant. We also see another man to be washing cars in the parking lot. He smiles at Villarreal. The parking lot is located behind the restaurant so there isn't a lot of car traffic or people visible in the parking lot. Villarreal. What's this guy's problem? Villarreal continues walking as he speaks into the earpiece. Villarreal. These guys look a bit suspicious. Man 1. We got our eyes right on them. Man 2. The guy with the cell phone just got into his car. Man 1. The other guy is still on his cell phone. Villarreal continues walking to his police vehicle as the man washing cars approaches him. Car washer, your police vehicle could use a good little scrub. Villarreal. Thank you. But I'm good. Car washer, are you sure? Your car would look a lot better if I gave it a little wash. Villarreal. Thanks, but no thanks. Car washer. I had to try haha. Have a good day. God bless you sir. Villarreal. You too. Man 1. The guy that went inside looked a bit suspicious. I'm heading inside to check him out. Man 2. I'll wait here and be alert out here. Man 1 exits the vehicle as the car washer smiles at him as he cleans someone's vehicle. Man 1 walks towards the entrance and enters the restaurant. Man 1. 
Excuse me. Did you see a man wearing a red jacket? Hostess. Yes. We seated him right over there. Man 1. Thank you. Man 1 walks slowly to the table in the corner where there's only like two other people seated. He approaches the table as the man with the red jacket turns around immediately starts firing his gun. Man 1 is able to get behind the wall and avoid the bullets. Man 1. Oh shit. He's one of them. Tell Villarreal to get the fuck out of here. I'm sure there isn't just one of them. I'll handle this asshole. Get him to safety. Man 2. Villarreal. We got bullets flying inside. Go. Immediately. Villarreal turns on his vehicle quickly as the engine starts and he's about to drive away. He hears a loud hissing as he wonders what the noise is. The car washer knocks on his window. Car washer, your tires are flat compa. Villarreal. Shit. Thanks. Man 2. No worries Villarreal. Walk over. I don't believe they would attempt to fire at the sheriff in broad daylight. Villarreal exits his vehicle as he holds onto his gun in his hand. Man 2 also exits his vehicle and holds onto the door as he watches Villarreal walk over slowly. He looks around looking to see if anyone is looking at them. Man 2. Get down. The car washer reaches into the vehicle he was washing and pulls out two handguns. He fires them at Man 2 and not Villarreal surprisingly. Villarreal ducks and watches as the man who followed from inside of the restaurant exit his vehicle. He stands staring at Villarreal. Villarreal ducks as bullets begin flying from three not two directions. Man 2 ducks to the ground as he now sits next to Villarreal. Villarreal. You alright? Man 2. Yeah, I'm fine. Man 2 begins to drop blood from his mouth as we now can see two bullet holes in his back. Villarreal. Fuck. Where's the other guy? Man 1. I'm coming guys. Villarreal. Number. Don't fucking come outside. Man 1. I heard the gunshots and this asshole is done for. Had to shoot him right in the fucking face. Ugh. It ain't pretty. A man then exits the bathroom as man 1 stands at the entrance. It's Eli. Eli fires multiple gunshots into man 1 as Villarreal heard them since the gunshot stopped outside. Eli exits the restaurant and walks towards Villarreal and man 2. Eli, how many bullets? Villarreal. He's got two. Two bullets. Eli, he is dead sheriff. Just surrender. We don't want him dead. We just want you. Villarreal. Fine. I'll surrender but you let man to live. Eli. Okay. Throw your gun to me and I'll consider it. Villarreal shakes his head but throws his gun towards Eli anyways. Villarreal. There. You happy? Eli. Throw me his gun to sheriff. I wasn't born yesterday. Villarreal grabs Man 2's gun and tosses it as well. Man 2 tries to hold on to for dear life. Man 2. Go sheriff. We're outnumbered. I'll be fine. Eli. Now walk towards the car washer with your hands raised. Villarreal stands up with his hands raised as he has his back to Man 2. 
Eli walks over to Man 2 and shoots him right in the back of the head as Villarreal's eyes close and he knows what happened. He knew that Man 2 wouldn't make it but he wanted to believe he would. Eli, looks like we can talk now Sheriff. Are you afraid of death Sheriff? Villarreal, a little. Eli, you don't know who you're messing with. Villarreal, I don't think you know who you're messing with. Eli, I know exactly who I'm messing with. Villarreal, you don't know jack shit son. Eli, and yet I'm the one with the gun. Villarreal, looks that way. Villarreal quickly ducks and fires guns shots making a semicircle firing his weapon as all three men ducked down and didn't expect it. The three men then ducked down and were distracted to see Villarreal get away on foot. Eli, where the fuck is he? Car washer, I think he went that way. Let me start the car. Eli, he is an old fucking man. He ain't out running us boys. I'm sure we'll find him. You go that way and you go the other way. Find the fucking sheriff. We then see Villarreal running through an alley. His phone vibrates in his pocket. He checks it quickly and decides to silence it instead. He instead sends a text message. It reads track my location. Needing assistance immediately. He keeps walking as he approaches a door. He is somehow able to open it and the screen goes black. We are then taken back to Marco and John. They toast to each other as the bartender hands them their beers. Marco. To you my brother from another mother. John. I'll take that. Marco. Where the fuck is George? John. He said he'd be here. Marco. I thought he had plans with Alejandro and Don Rogelio. John. He does but he was going to stop by for a beer. Fucker. Marco. Is this really all it John? John. I don't know what you're trying to ask me. Marco. What is life you know? John. Life say. Life's a fucking joke. Marco. The way it's gone so far seems like it might just be. John. My grandma used to always say live life respectfully and upright and my grandpa. My grandpa used to say do whatever the fuck you want because you don't know when it could all end. Marco. There were clearly very different people haha. John. Yeah they passed a couple years now. I used to believe my grandma had a point when I was younger but as I got older I realized maybe my grandpa had a bigger point. When I was a kid I used to think what the fuck is wrong with my grandpa saying shit like that to me haha. But he was right. I don't live my life respectfully and upright. I live it the way I want and that's how I have a good car and a good house because of the choices I made in life. Marco. We've only had one beer right? John. Haha <laughs> yeah I think so. I was just thinking about life myself the other day. I have no wife and no family. No kids. Just a dog. Marco. I'm pretty sure you have a handsome guy waiting for you somewhere out there. John. Fucking asshole haha. <laughs> I always wanted a family but I never got it. I was always afraid. I see you and George. Shit even the Don moving forward with his life and I'm still at the same spot I was 10 years ago. Alone. You all do this. 
this job and go home to your families. I go home and hope Rex didn't make a mess. Marco. Rex is a wild one but he's a good boy. John. You guys are all I got and Rex too. Ha. Huh. I wouldn't trade you all for anything. I love you guys. You all are my family. Marco. I love your brother. Cheers. Three men then momentarily storm the restaurant and fire shot after shot into John and Marco. Bottle after bottle shatters as Marco and John both fall to the ground after countless bullets flew through the air in slow motion. As the bullets end, the screams are now heard by everyone else in the restaurant. The three men stand still for a second and we get a glimpse at the damage they did. The bartender got shot and his face up behind the counter of the bar with tons of bottles cracked and liquor running down the shelves. Then we see John and Marco almost lifeless. Marco is face down and appears to be dead with John landing face up right up against the bar on the floor. His eyes open slightly. The three men talk amongst themselves as they don't notice John is not out for the count. John reaches for his gun and is able to fire all seven bullets with two bullets hitting the man at the left and the middle one in the head. The man on the right ducked down in time but still got a bullet in his shoulder. We get a glimpse of the damage done and we can see the pile of brain meat on the floor. The man who only got shot in the shoulder gets up slowly. Man 1. You got spirit but it's all for nothing. John. Fuck you. Man 1. The Ides of March but with a twist. The king isn't the only that dies. John. I never read that fucking story you piece of shit so you're preaching to the wrong crowd asshole. Man 1. It's over. Stay down and die respectfully. Man 1 begins walking towards the bar as John tries reloading his gun but he doesn't have enough time before Man 1 strikes him in the face with a gun he has in hand. John is knocked down by the blow. Man 1 then kicks John in the stomach repeatedly. Man 1. That's. 4. The fucking men. I lost here. Today. This wasn't personal but now it is. Man 1 raises his weapon and points it at John as John is almost lifeless on the ground with blood pouring out of his bullet wounds. John tries standing up and he should probably be dead to begin with but he still pushes almost screaming and still able to stand. Man 1 keeps his gun pointed at John as he now has his back to Marco. Man 1. Respect. Marco then immediately reaches for his gun and fires multiple gunshots into Man 1's back as Man 1's gun goes off and fires gunshots in the air and falls to the ground. John lays motionless on the ground as he begins coughing up blood. Marco lays face down on the ground as the police show up and have their guns pointed at everyone. As they enter, we get one last look at the damage done inside the restaurant. Both men down and even possibly dead. Scene 5. The 11th of July Part 2. We go right back to where we had started. They all sit around the table as it begins with Rosie smoking the joint. She smiles as she takes one inhale and then takes another one. Lola. Just take one bitch. Rosie. Sorry haha. I get carried away. She passes it to Lola. Lola. Pass it over here. 
Damn. You take advantage of your turn. Lola takes a big hit and then passes to Valerie. Valerie. Let's see. Valerie takes a big hit as well as she starts coughing with Nathan just looking at her wide-eyed. He doesn't know if he's afraid or turned on. It's all a little confusing for him. She hands to Nathan. Valerie. Your turn. Nathan. Haha. I think I'll... I think I'll pass this one. Valerie. Suit yourself. Nathan then grabs it and passes it to Ally. Ally. Yeah it's one per person. Those are just the rules. Ally takes her turn and then passes it to Brenda. Ally. This is good shit guys. Brenda. I haven't done this too many times so I'll let you all know what I feel. Brenda takes her hit and then passes it to Melanie. Melanie takes a very quick hit and starts coughing. This tells us she doesn't do this at all. Melanie then hands it to Jenna. Jenna passes as well and hands it to Courtney. Courtney, you sure Jenna? Jenna, I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Drinking is more than enough for me. Courtney takes herself a big hit like she knew what she was doing and then coughs aggressively still holding it in her hand. Courtney, whoa. Did I do as right? Rosie, it looks like you did haha. Rosie then lights the next one and it passed along the table again. Courtney then passes the first one to Brandon who's next in line. Brandon, let's see. Brandon takes a hit almost so smooth and exhales slowly as he looks at the joint in his hand. Brandon, who made it? Rosie, I did. Brandon, it needs a filter. Rosie, we didn't buy any. Brandon, you can make one out of an index card. Oh here Eric. My bad. Brandon hands it to Eric as Eric is hesitant to grab it but he grabs it. Barbara O'Reilly by the who begins playing as Eric holds the joint in his hand. The familiar guitar strums begin. He looks at it and looks all around the table. Should he do it? He looks at Lola smiling and nodding at him. He can't say no even though a huge part of him wants to. Lola, just try it. It can't hurt you. You might not even like it. Eric, how do you do this? Lola, you hold it to your mouth and inhale just a good amount but not too little or too much like other people. Eric brings the joint to his mouth and does it exactly the way Lola said. He inhales as everyone watches. He takes it out and lets the smoke out with a loud coughing coming right after. The music fades as the music playing and the speakers at the party can be heard again. Sounds like 2000s rock. Maybe the colors or the white stripes. Eric doesn't know either but he will. Believe that he will soon enough. Rosie. He did it. Brandon. Woo. I can't believe he did it haha. Eric hands the joint to Rosie as Rosie grabs it. Rosie. On second thought. Take another one. You might not feel anything with just one. Do you feel anything? Eric. Number. I don't feel anything. Rosie. Here. Eric grabs the joint again and takes another hit as this time he actually feels a tingly like feeling. He looks around the room as everyone smiles or is laughing. Everyone in the room appears to have their skin stretched slightly on their face. Rosie. You feel it now? Eric. 
I feel, I feel something. The room is now filled with smoke as everyone except Jenna and Nathan chose not to try the joints. Lola. Did you like it Eric? Eric. I. I think I did. Ha ha ha. Brandon. How is it Eric? Eric. It's, it's tingly. Is that normal? Brandon. Oh yeah. Lola. You've smoked weed before Brandon? Brandon. Yeah. A couple of times. Nathan. This guy is a chain smoker. He's always smoking cigs behind the ROTC building. I always ask him why because he is not even in ROTC the audacity of this guy. Brandon. Shut the fuck up haha. That's not even true. Lola. Really? Brandon. It's not true. Don't listen to this guy. He's high as a kite. Nathan. I am not high as a kite. Brandon, it's called second hand smoke Nate. You and everyone else here is high from all this weed smoke. Go look at your eyes in the bathroom. They're bloodshot and bloodshot as hell. Damn. Nathan. Holy shit. Are you serious? Nathan gets up quickly to check his eyes in the mirror. Lola. Haha. He's right. They are bloodshot. Nathan. No they're not. Brandon. Number. They're not but they will be. Eric. Let me see. Eric stands up slowly and walks over to see Nathan right into his eyes. Nathan. I need to see it for myself. Eric laughs as he goes back to sitting at the table with Rosie. Rosie. It's awesome. Isn't it? Eric. It. It feels good. I feel like. Free. Brandon comes to sit down next to Eric. Lola comes to sit between both of them as the music continues playing in the background. Lola. Are you really a chain smoker Brandon? Brandon. He's such a liar that guy. He's probably all paranoid now haha. I used to. I used to smoke with one of my old friends. Lola. Boo. Brandon. Robert. You won't know him by name but you'll know who it is. The school shooter. We were. We were best buds but he was crazy. I just. I never realized it. Eric would always tell us but we never listened. I think about him often. Wishing things could have been different. Eric. Voice over. I was floating in the clouds and hearing Brandon mention Robert's name brought a cold chill down my spine. Eric. Let's not mention Robert. Brandon. Eric hated him with a passion. I don't blame him. Eric. I. I never hated him. Brandon. Really? Eric. Yeah. I never hated him. I wished. I wish I could have saved him. He hurt a lot of people. Lola. I was there in the cafeteria. Brandon. I was too. He had the gun pointed at us. He made us insult Eric. I don't. I don't know where Eric was but he wanted to hurt us. His own fucking friend's man. Who does that? Eric. He, he needed help. Lola. I think he was mental right? Brandon. I never saw that side. Maybe I was blind or I ignored it. I had known him since second grade. Eric too. We had known him for so long. We hung out. Ate food together. Breaks my heart to think about him. E.H.H. 
Who's got another joint? Rosie pulls out another one. Rosie. I got one. Everyone's in the living room. Lola. Where's Valerie? Val. Val. The camera shows everyone in the living room talking and not paying attention to all four of them around the table. There's also no sign of Valerie. Brandon. I think she was eyeing Nathan haha. Eric. She was. Brandon. I think so. Lola. Are you going to light it bitch? Rosie. I'm going. I'm cutting out a piece of the index card for the filter. Wait. Don't rush me. Rosie eventually inserts the filter as she lights it. The passing circle of the marijuana cigarette begins again. It starts with Rosie. Brandon goes next. Then he passes it to Lola. Lola takes more than one hit. Rosie, just one hit. Damn. Lola, whose place is this? Rosie. Ugh. Fine. Just take three. Lola then passes it to Eric as he takes a long hit and coughs aggressively as we get one last look at everyone around the table. The joint continues being passed around as the camera begins panning back, showing several angles of the little party. The camera changes almost acting as a centerpiece for the table going 360 degrees. We see each one of them smile as the smoke and the fun continues. The screen goes black. Scene 6. The Plaza Part 1. 10.29am. The 15th of March 2049. We see George arriving at Alejandro's home. He exits his vehicle and enters. Sir Smith welcomes him inside. George, how are you Smith? Sir Smith. I'm quite well sir. Thank you. How are you? I heard what happened to you. You are a strong one George. George, I got lucky. Sir Smith. Why not at all sir? I don't believe it was merely luck you were able to handle all you handled haha. You're a good one. I see now what the good sir sees in you. George, well, thank you. I feel well. I just some bad cuts and bruises. Nothing too serious happened to me. Sir Smith. Well that's very good to hear sir. I'm glad. Alejandro should be right out. Excuse me. George, yeah sure. No worries. Alejandro walks down the hallway towards George. George is just wearing a nice long sleeve with slacks but Alejandro is wearing the whole damn suit. He would have made a good lawyer with the clothes he wears. Alejandra. Sorry about the way George. Let's head out. George, you look good Don. Alejandra. Thank you. I'm having a late lunch with Frieza later today and I wanted to be ready. You don't look too bad yourself. George. I figured you and Don Rogelio were going to get dressed up so I decided to as well. Alejandra. I got my watch. My gun. My cash. Yes. I got everything. Let's go pick up Don Rogelio. They exit Alejandro's home with two cars following slowly behind them as George adjusts the mirror on Alejandro's black suburban. They arrive outside of Don Rogelio's home who is also dressed up wearing a suit. He wears a black suit with an orange long sleeve underneath. George, orange? Alejandra. 
He likes the color orange. Don Rogelio enters the vehicle as they begin driving away with three cars now following them. They arrive at the mall and exit the vehicle. Alejandro has his earpiece and tells them to get off first and enter the mall as regular bystanders. Don Rogelio. It was too hot of a day to wearing a fucking suit. George. At least you look fly Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio. Well that's a plus then haha. They enter the mall walking all next to each other. Don Rogelio brings along a cane with him as either one who takes the smallest steps. Alejandra. Why the cane Don Rogelio? Don Rogelio. My hips been acting up. It's bad. I might need a replacement soon. I got a guy in Mexico that I've... I've heard does some good stuff. Alejandra. Well that's good. I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. Don Rogelio. Yeah I haven't doing enough for myself. I thought it was time for a change haha. <laughs> George. Should we get a pretzel? Alejandra. At the end. I'm sure Don Rogelio wouldn't mind one. Don Rogelio. Those pretzels will be the death of me. Alejandra. What store should we go into? Don Rogelio. That one. All the way over there. George. You sure? There's a cologne store right here. Don Rogelio. That one George. Not this one. I've been going to that one for years. Alejandra. The last time we came was about a year ago. We came together. You and I. Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio. We did? Ha. This getting old ain't it son. They arrive and enter the store as several regular looking men are shown walking in close proximity speaking into an earpiece. Alejandro's man 1. Everything good? Alejandro's man 2. I'm getting word that one of the guys outside just saw a suspicious vehicle park outside on the fire lane. Alejandro's man 1. One of you check it out. The rest of you stay vigilant. Alejandro's man 2 goes to walk towards on the entrances and goes to see the vehicle still parked there. He doesn't see anyone inside the vehicle. He speaks into the earpiece asking if anyone outside saw him. Alejandro's man 2. The guy's gone. Any of you guys out there in the parking lot see where he went? No response back. Alejandro's man 1. What the hell's going on out there? Alejandro's man 2. Nobody out there is replying. Alejandro's man 1. Stay very alert. We didn't know if they would strike but now as good a time as ever. An open mall with multiple entrances. Stay cautious. We then see a glimpse of the men that were in the vehicle watching the place shot in the vehicle. A couple walks by and sees the two dead men and the security guard pulls up at the moment. She shrieks scaring the guard. Security guard. What happened ma'am? Woman. There's two dead guys. Security. Oh shit. Shit. Let me call it in. A gunshot is fired right in the chest of the security guard as he was about to dial 911. Jesse. Shut up. Give me your cell phones and get the fuck out here before I kill you too. The man and woman hand their cell phones to Jesse as Jesse speaks into an earpiece. Jesse. Where's the guards? 
The scene switches back to Alejandro, George, and Don Rogelio looking at shirts. Alejandro's man one. Don? Alejandra. Yes. Alejandro's man one. We may have a problem. Stay alert. A man walks quickly into the store as he opens the door with such force. He looks around the store as if looking for something or someone. He laughs. He then takes a gun out and fires up in the store to scare people. People in the store start screaming and start panicking as Alejandro and George hear the commotion just as Don Rogelio went into a fitting room and they were waiting for him outside. Alejandra. Wait inside Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio. What the hell is going on? Alejandra. I. I believe it's the Ides of March. Stay in there. We'll handle this. Scene 7. The birth of the Alejandro Galdamez task force. 9.04 AM. The 10th of January 2048. We open up to show the director shaking hands with both Kramer and Jared. The director. This agency is counting on you gentlemen. Make us proud. Kramer. We will. The director. Agent Kramer. I mean. Sergeant Kramer. I am hoping we can finally bring that thug Alejandro Galdamez down and behind bars as soon as possible. Where are your agents? I would have liked to welcome them. Kramer. They should be here soon. We'll be having a beating in about an hour or so. The director. I just wanted to stop by and congratulate you all in person. I'm sure you all saw my email yesterday and I barely got back into town today. I had to come see your smiles in person haha. If you excuse me. I have another meeting in about 20 minutes. Good luck guys. The director shakes each of their hands as both men smile. Kramer and Jared nod to one another. Jared. Sergeant Kramer huh? Whoa. It's been long overdue. Congratulations. Kramer. Thank you. Thank you. A congratulations for both of us because we finally got what I've been wanting to have for years. They have rejected making this task force twice before. Two times before they finally approved it. Jared. It's sad how they've taken this long to make such a thing. The people in Washington had a change of heart this time around. Kramer. Maybe. Only God knows why really but we're finally here. Holy shit. I'm, I'm still shocked to be here. I never thought I would see this day. Jared. Honestly. Me neither. Now that it's here. Whoa. Kramer. You heard the director. Let's bring this thug down into the ground. Several minutes pass as both Kramer and Jared are reviewing files and going through several open folders on the table. The camera shows several agents enter and shake hands with both Kramer and Jared but we don't see their face. We see Kramer take off his reading glasses as he now acknowledges the handful of agents already present. Kramer. Ladies and gentlemen. Please. Take your seats. We'll begin when all seven of you have arrived. We have five agents present so far. I'll wait another minute. Another two agents pull into the meeting room as they also shake Kramer and Jared's hand. 
They take their seats as Kramer and Jared look to one another before addressing the agents. Jared. Good morning everyone. My name is Detective Timothy Jared. Kramer. Good morning everyone. I hope you all are as excited and as ready as we are. My name is Sergeant Gregory Kramer. Jared. It's our pleasure to welcome you all to the Alejandro Galdamez Task Force. We are here but we aren't here. We will be relocated to a pending place and will continue to only meet up there. Only certain higher ups will know about our task force and everything discussed here is confidential and only known to us. You all will momentarily sign waivers. Nothing here can be discussed with outside parties or it may result in possible termination or even jail time. We have one mission and one mission only. Kramer. Bringing down Alejandro Galdamez's empire. We chose you all because you all have tackled cases or even tried to bring down Alejandro Galdamez at one point or another. We all share the same goal here. I know we have the best of the best here and we will succeed. I think it'd be good if we let you all have the floor and introduce yourselves as Jared and myself know all about you but you all don't know about each other. Agent 1 stands up. Agent 1. Hello everyone. My name is Charlie. I was in the military for 8 years. I've been working for ATF for the last 10 years. Sergeant Kramer couldn't have said it any better. I have full intentions on bringing that bastard's empire down. Good to meet you all. Charlie sits down. The camera moves slowly to show Agent 2. Agent 2 stands up and places her hands on the table. Agent 2. My name is Paola Reyes. I went to college in Florida. I've been working for the United States Border Patrol for the last 13 years of my life. Nice to meet you all. The next agent seated next to him known to us as Agent 4 stands up and begins speaking. Agent 4. Hello everyone. My name is Leonardo. I graduated with a major in political science from the Rice University. I then attended law school in North Texas. I have been working as a prosecutor in West Texas for 10 years. I then moved to Nevada and practiced law for another 7 years. Now I'm invited back here I can only assume because I was a lawyer's assistant during Rogelio Sharp's trial back almost 10 years ago. The lawyer who represented Sharp died I believe 2 years ago. He was a good man that I learned a lot from and it broke me dearly. I, I want nothing more than to see all of Alejandro Galdamez's thugs pay for their crimes. They believe they are above the law and they are not. No one is. Thank you and nice to meet you all. The man sits down as the camera shows all the faces around the table. We then see Ray smile as the next agent sits up to speak. Agent 5 begins speaking as he adjusts his suit. Agent 5. Hello everyone. My name is Jacob. I graduated college from Sam Houston University. I have been working with the CIA overseas for the last 15 years. I've helped capture some of the world's biggest criminals and Alejandro Galdamez will be just the same. Pleasure to meet you all. Jacob sits down as Agent 6 on the other side of the table stands up. Agent 6. 
I wanted to be a firefighter when I grew up. I grew up and worked as the head firefighter in my hometown in Oklahoma. I then decided to enroll in the military for 8 years. I have spent the last 5 years of my life working as a fire marshal for United States of America in both New Jersey and Washington DC. I am. Um, I travel a lot. Oh and my name is Angel by the way haha. I got a little carried away. I just. I have a lot of passion. I've worked multiple times with agencies such as the FBI, CIA, and the DHS. I believe that Alejandro Galdamez or the Don as his followers call him will one day pay for everything he's done. All the crimes. All the murders. It's time to pay the piper. Kramer claps as Angel sits down and nods yes to him. Agent 7 begins standing up slowly. Agent 7. Good morning everyone. My name is Richard but everyone calls me Ricky. You are more than welcome to call my Ricky. I am. Um, I've been around the block. Kramer and myself trained around the same time in the academy. We. We had some good times. I worked as an active agent but in California. For almost 15 years as an active agent in the last few years. I'm more of a paper pusher. I've heard of Rogelio Sharp. Kramer and myself always wanted to be the agents to bring him down but neither of us succeeded haha. Something tells me Alejandro Galdamez will be different. Agent 7 sits down as the camera goes to the final agent who is known to us as Agent 3. The camera shows Agent 3 stand up but we don't see his face. He stands up straight as he taps his hands on the side of his body. Agent 3. Hello everyone. My name is Ray. I graduated from NYU. I even lived there for a year after. My dream job was to one day work in the FBI it always. It always has been. I joined the academy pretty young and it has been my mission to bring justice to America. I actually had training in the academy by Sergeant Gregory Kramer several years back. I appreciate him considering me for such a position in this task force. Kramer. A good man knows a good agent when he sees one. Ray. I'd like to point out to everyone that crime makes me sick. I cannot and will not stand for it. Alejandro Galdamez has brought pain and suffering to so many people and it must be stopped. My hope is for us to bring him in handcuffs one day. Thank you for letting me speak and nice to meet everyone. Something tells me we'll get along just fine. The camera then shows the man's face. It's Ray. Ray Salinas. The man who's dating Ophelia Hernandez. Alejandro's daughter. The camera then stays focused on Ray as it slowly drifts to Kramer and Jared at the front of the table. Kramer. Ricky and myself were agents that wanted to make the difference in the world out there. He was actually at the scene of the wedding massacre in Mexico. I wasn't lucky enough to be invited myself. When was that? It was a while back. Ricky. I still remember all the dead bodies. The big boss man Don Hugo at the time was brutally murdered along with all his guests. Some of the agents even vomited at such a sight. There. There was a lot of blood. Things like that you never forget. Kramer. 
You were always the lucky one. Ricky. You were always the better agent. Kramer. I don't know about that haha. Now that we've all introduced ourselves, let's get started and bring down Alejandro Goldemez and his empire. The camera shows Kramer's smile as the screen goes black. Scene 8, The Plaza Part 2. Bad Guy 1. I'm here for one man. If I get the rest of them I'm a lucky man. Alejandro Goldemez. Step forward and maybe we'll let everyone else live. Maybe. Alejandro walks over with his hands up. Alejandra. Are you a man of your word? Bad guy 1. Yes. Alejandra. If I step forward. Do I have your word that none of my people will be hurt? Bad guy 1. Haha. I can't guarantee that. I said maybe. Alejandra. We're fighting until the end then. Aren't we? Bad guy 1. Looks that way cowboy. Two men who appeared to be regular people pull out guns and point them at bad guy 1. Bad guy 1. No matter. It's all good. Alejandro's men fire gunshots into the man as people scream even more. Alejandro's men led the way for Alejandro and George to exit the store. They then see three men from one side. And then three men from another side. And three men from the other side walk slowly towards them. Alejandro's men are counted. We got one. Two. Three. Four. Alejandro has four men left not including George. Don Rogelio and himself. Jesse. It appears that you are the one that is outmanned and outgunned Don Alejandro. Alejandra. Who are you? Jesse. My name is Jesse. I don't believe we've had the pleasure of meeting before. Nice to meet you. Alejandro's men keep their guns pointed at all angles as they don't know who to shoot or where to aim. Alejandra. What do you want? Jesse. It doesn't matter what I want. What matters is that we have surrounded you and believe me when I tell you that my men and myself have been instructed to kill you all. Alejandra. Mike. Mike hired you. Jesse. Mike was there. He didn't hire us but he was there. We spoke to him a couple of days before you killed him. Alejandra. How do you know that? Jesse. I know a great many things. For example. Today. Your family dies. And no not the one with your precious children and their families. The other one. As we speak. Frieza. John. And Marco are gone. Dead like dogs. They're closing in on your precious sheriff at this very moment. They'll find him and finish him once and for all to welcome a new family. One better and stronger than the one you started. Alejandra. Why don't you just kill me but you let George and Don Rogelio go? Jesse. Not interested. I'm much more interested in ending you all. The original plan was just to kill you but you must have pissed someone off because after Mike was killed, they wanted the whole family killed. The original plan was you Don and only you. Just like. Alejandra. Julius Caesar. Jesse. Right. Jesse. First things first. All of your men put down their weapons and then we kill you all peacefully. How about it? 
Alejandro looks at his men as they still have their guns raised and ready to kill. Alejandra. Alright everybody. You heard the man. They just want us. Stand down. Just open up and let us pass by. They just want us. They don't want you all. A voice is heard in Alejandro's ear. Alejandro's man one. Just say the word sir. I got two handguns. I can let them away. I suggest into the store. At least you'll have some kind of protection. Alejandra. Now. Alejandro's man enters from another side and fires his weapon running towards the crowd of the good guys and the bad guys. He fires his gun simultaneously as Alejandro and company fires guns too and it gives the chance for George. Alejandra and two of Alejandro's men to enter a store which is only covered by glass. They are surrounded. They couldn't run anywhere else. There's only an entrance and an exit by busting through the glass. Alejandra. Knock down the shells and use them as shield men. Where's Don Rogelio? George. He's still in the fitting room. Alejandra. Leave him in there for now. George. There's only one entrance and one exit. We see only six men with both of Alejandro's men down. Or almost down. Jesse. It's over. You lost. Alejandro's man won. Fuck. Pow. He's shot right in the forehead ending that conversation. Alejandro and George load their guns in hand with them knowing that they will bust in. Jesse knocks on the door. Each of Alejandro's men has two guns. George and Alejandro each have two handguns as well. They carry some extra ammo but so far they are still outnumbered. Jesse. Hello. Anybody home? Jesse shoots a glass with a loud shatter and instructs his men to enter the store. Alejandro and his men prepare their weapons as they are now hidden from view. We see Alejandro crouching behind the counter. We then see George inside a cabinet where he can see only a peek of them entering the store. Alejandro's two men stand guard behind clothes on the racks. Jesse looks around and only sees a handful of people looking at him not knowing what to do. Jesse. Get down. Now. Tell me where they are or you die. You. Where's Alejandro or George? I'm fine with eyes on either. Stranger. Boo. Jesse hits him with a gun and points it at him. Each of Alejandro's men fires his weapon at each of Jesse's men. Jesse is now down to 4 men with the remaining men not seeing both of Alejandro's men. One of the guys aims his weapon at Jesse and Jesse shoots him barely looking right in the neck area. George readies his two weapons busts out of the cabinet and fires both killing one other man. The remaining man fires at George as Alejandro gets up and fires his weapon as well. Jesse ducks down to avoid any bullets. Everyone is seated at the floor in their own area. We see George holding his left arm. George, motherfucker. The remaining man can be seen getting a bullet as well. Jesse and Alejandro are the only ones who haven't gotten shot yet. Jesse, you alright Georgie? George, fuck you. Alejandra, we're even now Jesse. Two and two. Let's talk this out. How much are they paying you? Jesse. Enough. 
We're at that store at the end he whispers in his ear. Jesse. Looks like my last two men are coming. They'll assist us in finishing you all off once and for all. Alejandra. George. I'm sorry. I failed you. I failed us. George. It's not over yet Don. We can go down fighting. Just like you always said. I'll go down fighting for you. You gave me a new life. It's only fair I'll lose it fighting for you sir. Alejandra. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's not over unless I say it's over. Jesse. Find them. Both men enter for one of them immediately to be shot down by George quickly getting down on the ground as the other fires gunshots down below to see if George rolls around. Alejandro looks out and can see Jesse. Jesse is finished. Don Rogelio. What the fuck is happening out here? Don Rogelio walks out the dressing without his cane this time and sees one of the men holding a gun and points it at him. Don Rogelio. Oh shit. Alejandro rushes almost on instinct to block Don Rogelio from getting shot and takes a bullet on his shoulder as George fires his weapon at him and gets shot down again. George now has two bullets. Alejandro has one as well. Alejandro and Don Rogelio head into the fitting room area. He tells Don Rogelio to stay behind. Don Rogelio throws a fit but does it anyway. Alejandro then walks back cautiously as he remembers something. Don Rogelio needed a cane to walk. He remembers him saying he had a bad hip. How was he able to walk out without it? Pause. Barbara O'Reilly by the Who begins playing at 2.24 in the background as the setting is now set. Sally take my hand. We'll travel south across land. Put out the fire and don't look past my shoulder. The exodus is here. The happy ones are near. Let's get together before we get much older. Alejandro gets a surprising gunshot through himself as George takes another gunshot from Jesse. George falls on his back to the ground and now has three gunshot wounds. The blood holes are now much more visible on George. George lays there almost lifeless. He loses grip of his gun as the gun now just rests on his zoomed and twitching hand. We see Alejandro doesn't fall to the ground as he notices the bullet didn't come from in front of him but behind him. Teenage Wasteland. Teenage Wasteland. He turns around slowly to see Sharp holding a gun and pointing it at him. It was Don Rogelio who fired a shot into his back. Alejandro flexes his muscles and spasms slightly. They're all wasted as the song reaches the end but the guitar and the piano continue in the song. He watches as Don Rogelio walks right by him. Jesse then proceeds to shoot him one more time near the shoulder and Alejandro falls to the ground landing on his back. Jesse and one of his men stand tall with Alejandro being the one that just got shot down. The music continues and eventually ends as he finally takes in the whole situation. The song speeds up as it comes to an end right as Sharp is about to speak. Don Rogelio. Surprised? I am too. I wonder how a man such as yourself having stage 3 cancer feels about dying like this. Maybe better than you imagined? Alejandra. 
How? How? Could? You? Don Rogelio this is the single hardest thing I've ever had to do son and one day you will understand. Alejandra. You were never kidnapped. Don Rogelio. Oh no my dear boy. I was kidnapped. It was fucking awful. The torture wasn't the bad part. It was either do this or people would die. Very important people to me. My back was against the wall. One day. You'll understand but that day isn't today my boy. As he is barely able to cling to life itself. Jesse's team is now downed at himself. Don Rogelio and one other man. They all begin walking towards Alejandro and Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio. I'm sorry son. I wish there could have been another way. Don Rogelio walks up to Jesse and the other man. Don Rogelio. The police should be arriving soon. We got to go. We've done enough. Jesse. Finish them he tells the final man. Don Rogelio. Leave them. Jesse. You don't give orders. Jesse's final man proceeds to walk to George's lifeless body. He fires one gunshot into George as George's body jumps up with more blood pumping out of him. He now appears to be motionless. The man then walks over to Alejandro as Alejandro raises his arm trying to protect himself. The police sirens can be heard approaching in the distance. Don Rogelio and Jesse can be seen still standing and watching what may be Alejandro's last breathe. Final man. Goodbye Don Alejandro. It's an honor to say that I killed. Pow. A gunshot goes through final man's neck with blood squirting out all around him. It was George who was barely able to raise his hand to shoot the man in the neck as his arm twitches with a gun in his hand. Don Rogelio then raises his gun one last time and shoots the man in the back of the head as the man almost flies falling face down next to Alejandro. He falls to the ground collapsing and obviously dying as he bleeds out on the ground. The blood puddle begins forming around the final man as Alejandro and George each try to cling on to life. George, be bitch. George's arm then drops slowly to the ground as he appears to breathe his last breath. His arm falls slowly to the ground as he is unable to keep crawling. His hand now the only thing that appears to be able to grip anything. His hand slowly drops down as the screen goes black with the police arriving at the scene and entering the plaza as the screen goes black. Alejandra. George. George. The police vehicles pull in and we see that it is all of Villarreal's police department vehicles. They surround the place. Don Rogelio and Jesse both leave going through a hallway as the screen goes black. Scene 8. The rise of a new empire. We then get taken to a scene of Don Rogelio, Jesse, Eli, and a couple of their men. They appear to stand in front of a man who has a hoodie over himself. One of them walks over to remove the hood off of the man. We see it's Villarreal bruised and bleeding a little from his mouth. Villarreal doesn't look up but instead looks at the ground. Jesse, look up motherfucker. Eli, you heard him grandpa. Don Rogelio, how about a smile from an old friend? Villarreal, what did you do? Don Rogelio. I did what needed to be done my old friend. 
Everyone's gone. Marco. John. George. Frieza. They're all gone. All that's left is your sheriff. Villarreal. We grew up together Roy. How the fuck could you do this? Why would you do this? Don Rogelio. I didn't have a fucking choice. You wouldn't understand. Villarreal. Why haven't they killed me yet? Don Rogelio. Every single one of Alejandro's people were loyal to him. All of them his puppets but not you. You're not a puppet, are you? Villarreal. Is this supposed to make me want to join you in this? This war? You've started a war oi that I don't believe you are ready for. Don Rogelio. I'm not going to kill you but I'm not giving you the chance to kill any of us. Every single one of your guns were confiscated. Villarreal. I'll walk. Don Rogelio. Suit yourself. Let him go. Eli. You sure about that sharp? Don Rogelio. Believe in me boy. Damn it. Just let the fucker go. Now. Sharp raises his gun and points at Jesse and Eli to do as he says. Villarreal is let out of his handcuffs and stands struggling to be able to stand up since he was down for a while. Villarreal. Why not just kill me? I'm better off dead. Don Rogelio. Mike didn't kill you that day in the diner and I won't here today either. He always thought of you as his uncle. He loved you very much. As did I Villarreal. Don't pull that shit on me after you let your son die twice. You were never there for him. Don Rogelio. I wasn't. I would have put him out of his misery but Alejandro wanted to kill him. I thought it'd be better if it wasn't me that killed him. That'd be just awful if I had to do it. I'm a criminal. Not a sadist. Besides he was my son but he was fucking crazy. It's all my fault. I'll blame myself for the rest of my life. Villarreal. You watched him get beat and assaulted by all of us and you did nothing to stop it. You let him get buried alive. You watched as they buried him alive. Don Rogelio. This fucking plague saved him. Poisoned him even more than he already was. Jesse shut the fuck sharp. Villarreal. Mike had to be taken out almost minutes after everyone left. I don't believe he would have lasted more than 90 minutes. I was there when you and Alejandro left. Nothing out of the ordinary. Don Rogelio. What can I tell Daniel? The plague is a fucked up person. Villarreal. You were never kidnapped. The plague didn't exist until about a year ago you stupid fuck. There is no plague. He's one of two things. A figment of your imagination or you yourself are the plague because you've lost all your fucking marbles. Don Rogelio. Believe me. The plague exists. They are out there. Don't think for one second that they aren't out there. They could come for you next just like they came to me. I. I only hope they don't force your hand old friend. Villarreal. Yeah. You're insane. The frame shows both Sharp and his man standing next to one another. Don Rogelio. Alejandro isn't dead but he'll sure wish he was dead. I made sure of that. He may suffer and be in pain for a while but he will live no doubt about it. I raised that boy to be a man. 
There's no greater man that I know. I did what I had to do. He would have done the very same in my position. Villarreal. You don't know what you've done. You've opened something that will surely only end in your death. You're a monster. Don Rogelio. I am not a monster. Villarreal. You're worse than a monster. The camera pans back to show Rogelio's expression of happiness and Villarreal's look of disgust. Don Rogelio. Get him out of my sight now. Villarreal. I I am going to stop this. Don Rogelio. I hope you do. I really hope you do. Villarreal walks slowly out of the building. Looking on at the sky. The bright sun rays can be seen almost spraying onto anybody who even takes a single step outside. He takes a deep breathe. Villarreal. God help us all. The camera follows Villarreal walk away from the warehouse. The scene then goes back to show Eli, Jesse, Sharp, and the rest of the men. Jesse and his men nod to Eli and Sharp as they all begin leaving through the back. Sharp. Let's hope God is on my side. Eli. I think you did a good job. I only hope the plague is satisfied. Sharp. I did everything. Eli. Maybe. We'll let the plague be the judge of that. Eli then hits Sharp with the back of his gun as he places it back into his pocket immediately. Sharp falls and hits the ground with a loud thud. Sharp. What? What the fuck is this? Eli. I had other orders Sharp. Sharp. No. I did everything. I sacrificed all I had left. All I fucking had left. The front door is then kicked open as we see Kramer and several police reinforcements enter the place. Eli raised his gun immediately as the door was kicked in but didn't shoot. They all raise their guns and point them at both Eli and Sharp. Sharp tries looking up trying to understand what's happening. Kramer. After all these years. I finally caught you red handed you son of a bitch. Sharp. Who the fuck is this? Kramer? Kramer. You committed almost every single crime in the book Sharp. If it were up to me. I'd shoot you right here. Right now. Sharp what the hell is going on right now? Kramer. That's not why I won't do it. I won't do it because I believe in the system. The justice system that has made and will continue to make our country the greatest on earth. Everyone is entitled to a fair trial. Even thugs like you. I have proof of you and your men murdering several men at the plaza. There was also a shooting at a funeral home and two restaurants. There's a lot of bodies and something tells me it's all connected to you. Sharp. You don't have jack shit. All you have is theories. Where's the proof? Where's the evidence huh? Kramer walks around the place. He sees several boxes stacked up on top of one another. He knocks one down as a bunch of money rolls out of the box. Sharp. That's... That's not mine. Kramer. I looked up who owns this and you are the sole owner of this place. I don't doubt we'll find more stuff after we tear it apart. It gives me the great honor to be the one to arrest you. I have been after you and all the other ones around you for so many years but your time has finally come. It even broke my heart that you even murdered your adopted son Alejandro. 
Sharp. He's, he's not dead. Kramer. He is as dead as can be. The other officers begin handcuffing and arresting the both of them as they begin searching around the place. They knock down more boxes as Kramer walks to the door in the back. He looks around just seeing if there might be more evidence to incriminate Sharp. He squints his eyes as he walks back to Sharp and Eli. Kramer, you have a lot of blood on your hands you sick sick man. How the hell you sleep in your cell tonight? Only God knows. Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum begins playing as a montage is approaching. Sharp and Eli turn to each other as they placed in handcuffs and we see them begin opening the boxes and they find stacks and stacks of money hidden inside as the scene ends and opens back up with Villarreal. He continues walking as he eventually reaches for his cell phone in his pocket 12 missed calls. He was afraid. Uncertain. Anxious. What comes next? Who could be next? Does he choose to work with Don Rogelio? What's the best option for him? He rubs his eyes thinking he's having a nightmare but it's as real as day. The sun almost blinds him as he continues walking down the street. The camera shows several police cars in the distance as Villarreal goes to the opposite end of all the commotion. The scene changes to show a man face down at the entrance of the funeral home. It slowly approaches the inside of the place. Bullet holes and several caskets thrown along with more dead bodies. The camera finally gives us a final glimpse as Frieza lies face down next to a broken casket. We also get one last look at the damage that was done inside and outside of the funeral home as sirens can be heard in the distance. We then get a final look at the damage done inside of the restaurant where John and Marco were shot at. Broken glass and broken bottles everywhere. A handful of dead guys at the entrance of this same restaurant. One last shot of John and Marco both shot down like animals in a shooting range as we also see the small pools of blood around both of them almost making one big pool of blood. The police approach the store in the plaza with their guns raised and ready, where Alejandro and George were. We get one final look at their lifeless bodies. The scene ends with us getting one last look at Alejandro's body. The paramedics enter the store walking towards both Alejandro and George. He reaches for Alejandro's wrist as he checks his pulse to see if he's alive or not. He raises his eyes and then proceeds to shout loudly. Paramedic. We got one. The music takes a pause. The scene changes to show Eric exit out of the room as he starts walking down the hallway. The song begins playing again but from the beginning. Eric voiceover. In this moment, all I could think about was everything these past few months. How things changed and evolved so quickly. It seems like yesterday that I first bumped into Gabby on the first day of sophomore year. I did a lot of things this year and I can't wait for the next one that lies ahead. It can only get better from here right? Or all the little moments I had with my friends. Whether it was playing pool, playing cards, or just wasting time trying not to grow up. I still shock myself that I was able to convince my friends to pull the fire alarm. 
That wasn't something I would have never done. I stop and ask myself why I did that. Sure I got a slap on the wrist for it but it was reckless and wrong but it didn't feel like it. In two days, the 11th of July, I would cross over to the other side that I would never be able to come back from. Life is funny that way. You start crossing lines and soon those lines seem small in comparison to the life you're in now. I was always a good kid. I was never trouble or mischievous. Much less erratic or impulsive. Dr. Pina tried to help me and he got me as far as he could. He always had good intentions and I'll always be be thankful for that. He really wanted me to get better. A part of me really wanted me to get better. Even he couldn't see what I was slowly becoming or would soon become. I do wish I was cured though. I don't genuinely think I'll ever be 100%. Sometimes I still wonder about Robert and how his life would have been if he didn't do what he did. Would he have made a difference in this world? Or was his fate already sealed from the very beginning? In times when I'm down in the dumps, I can still see all the blood on the floor as I sat leaned up against the wall of the bathroom. I can't fathom in my mind how someone could simply put a gun into their mouth and end their life. I may be suffering but I would never do such a thing. I'll always wish I could have done more to save his life but sometimes. People can't be saved and all we can do is accept it. My world will forever be changed for that but I think I'll survive. Maybe a panic attack in between but nothing greater. This wasn't the last time I saw Dr. Pina. I continued coming once a month but I eventually stopped altogether. Eric approaches the door to exit the hallway. Eric voice over. Would I be able to handle the chaos that lied ahead? If only I knew what would come next. I would have stopped the path that I was already going down. A life of happiness and hope was in my rearview mirror but I just didn't know it then. Eric opens the door and exits as the door slowly closes behind himself. The screen goes black. The end of these days volume 2 has been reached. Stay tuned for these days volume 3 coming soon. The first chapter of volume 3 is being aimed for a new year's eve release but we'll see. Thank you all. IT's been an honor.